Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Grant. I'm one of the pastors here at Journey Church. And um, so obviously it's a bittersweet day for me also. Uh, I've been here since June of last year, but I've known Stephen um, for years. He's actually the same age as my oldest, our oldest son, Morgan. They went to school together, graduated Camel County back in the day in 2007. So yeah, so it's, uh, I... It's bittersweet, right? I'm excited. I'm excited for them. God's got this. This did not catch God off guard. I know some of you are caught off guard by this uh, news, but God's got this. He's the great I am. He's, he, he has great things in store for, for us and for them. Uh, so, um, again, my name is Pastor Grant. If this is your first time, welcome to Journey Church. Um, let me pray. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for um, this building. God, thank you that you are sovereign. You are the great provider. You are the great I am. This is not news to you. Let us rest in that. Let us trust in that. You, God, you are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our adoration. You are worthy of our total surrender, no matter what, no matter if we're going through a storm, just got out of a storm, sky is blue, sky is cloudy, it matters not, you are worthy of our worship, you are the great I am, you are the great, great God, let us rest in that, let us worship in that, bless this time, may, may what I share Bring glory to you and your name and your kingdom. May we make Jesus famous in this city. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So again, I'm, I'm one of the pastors here. I did that. There we go. Okay. Um, first of all, um, I know we honored the veterans f f earlier, but again, thank you. Anybody that served, thank you. Uh, it's really interesting. God has given me a huge love and respect and admiration for military. Um, nobody in my family that I'm aware of has ever, ever served. Um, but God has, like I said, given me just this deep respect. I've been blessed and honored to actually officiate a couple times at a national cemetery. Um, that's something you won't forget. The, the you know the 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 twenty one gun salute the taps the the draping of the flag that you won't forget so um, I've been honored to do that a couple of times so again thank you if you've served our country fought for my freedom 
our freedom, our ability to gather, not worry about who's coming through those doors. Thank you. Thank you for that. So today, yes, amen. Today we're going to talk about idols. So that'll be fun, huh? That'll be a nice, lighthearted message. Yeah, but here we go. Buckle up. All right. So um, no other gods. No other gods. Why would we ever worship anything else? Why? So we're not right out the gate. Let's talk about the story of Exodus. Moses goes to Egypt. You know, we, most of us know the story. The Israelites are in bondage. They've been in bondage for hundreds of years. They've been praying for a redeemer, a deliverer. He shows up. God rescues his people out of bondage, out of slavery. They cross the Red Sea. You know, you know the whole story, right? God has just rescued his people. And right away, he's like... I think we might struggle with this. Let's talk about this. Not to put words in God's mouth, but my paraphrase, right? Exodus chapter 20. We know it as the Ten Commandments. I'm just going to read the first two. Then God gave the people these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. Verse four, you, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind, of any image, of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, I'm your God, and I am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even the children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish my unfailing love upon for uh, my unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commandments. Why would we ever wander? Why would we ever, ever, ever worship any other gods? Yet we do. Yet we do, if we were honest. So there's this thing called human nature, right? Human nature's been human nature as long as human nature's been human nature. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, right? And then, oh, by the way, there's this little thing called sin nature that we all have, right? But why would we ever, ever wander? But yet we do. Yet we wander. So today we're going to look at a couple stories, uh, both from the Old Testament. um, And we're going to start with the life of a king named Josiah. So this can be found in 2 Kings, chapter 22. Same story, same basic story can be found in 2 Chronicles 34. We are going to read out of there. But first, let me set the stage. These are God's chosen people. People, we're not talking about the pagans. We're talking about God's chosen people. But yet, the idol worship is rampant. The, hor- the horrific child sacrifice 
unmentionable, unbelievable, unspeakable, horrific, might I even say demonic. So that's the setting, right? There's a good king and then there's a bad king. Then there's a good king and then there's a bad king. And then there's a good king and kind of a good king. And then, and then Josiah shows up. 34 verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem for 31 years. He did, was, he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor, David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. During the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor, David. Then in the twelfth year, he, he began to purify Judah and Jerusalem, destroying all the pagan shrines, the Asherah poles and the carved idols and the cast images. He ordered that the altars of Baal be demolished and that the incense altars which stood above them be broken down. He also made sure that the Asherah poles, the carved idols and the cast images were smashed and scattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He even burned the bones of the pagan priests on their own altars. And so he purified Judah and Jerusalem. Verse 6, he did the same thing in the towns of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, even as far as Naphtali, and in the regions all around them. He destroyed the pagan altars and the Asherah poles, and he crushed the idols into dust. He crushed the idols into dust. He cut the, down all the incense altars throughout the land of Israel. Finally, he returned to Jerusalem. So there was Asherah poles. There was Baal worship, there was high places, there was incense being burned. Idol worship was rampant. And the effects of that on the culture was just un, unspeakable. We would never do that, right? Our idol worship would never be that obvious, right? Nah, ours is much more secretive, right? We would never do that. We would never put up a Baal image in our house, right? That, that is, you can research this if you want on your own. It's, it is twisted what they were doing. So depraved. That is an idol, that is a, an image of Baal. Child sacrifice. Unbelievable. We would never do that, right? Of course not. We might not even ever do this. Isn't that cute? That's, that's Buddha, right? Chances are, chances are pretty good. Nobody in here has one of those in their house. We would never worship that, right? Chances are. Ours, our idols, much more subtle, much more secretive, way less obvious than having that on our mantle. Right? I'm probably never ever going to go steal a car, right? For example. But man, in my heart, I want that car. 
And then if I want that car, I'm going to go steal that car or I'm going to go whatever. You can't tell me I can't because I want that car. And heaven forbid you try to tell me how to drive. Who are you? Right? Don't you dare tell me I can't have that car. Don't you dare tell me I can't, you know, fill in the blank. Don't you dare tell me. I'm also probably not prone to go to my neighbor's house and cut down one of his trees to make myself an idol, right? Great guy, but that might just put a strain on our friendship, right? I get out my chainsaw and I go over there one morning and I'm cutting down his cottonwood so I can make myself an idol. And he's like, what are you doing? You can't tell me I can't do this. So I'm probably not prone to do that. But man, have you seen his boat? Some of you have. It's like a yacht. It's not a boat. It won't even fit in his garage. Have you seen his car? Have you seen his toys? Have you seen his garage? Now, I will say, if you met this dude on the street, you would have no idea, right? So I could covet his possessions in my heart, and none of you would ever know. But I would, and he would, right? Much more secretive, much more subtle, much less obvious. Simple definition of an idol. An idol is anything or anyone you worship other than God. Let me simplify it anymore. Anything that you're carrying around that is getting in the way of your relationship with God. This is not between me and you. This is about you, between you and God and where your heart is today. Okay? The foolishness of idols. Isaiah 44. Again, I would never cut down my neighbor's tree. But apparently people were doing it back in the day. Isaiah 44. It's called the foolishness of idols. Starting in verse 6. This is what the Lord says, Israel, Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord of heaven, heaven's army. I am the first and the last, and there is no other God. Who is like me? Let him step forward and prove to you his power. Let him do as I've done since ancient times, when I established the people and explained his future. Do not tremble, but do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim my purpose for you long ago? You are my witness. Is there any other God? No, there is no other rock, not one. How foolish are those that manufacture idols? These prized objects are really worthless. The people who worship idols don't know this, so they are all put to shame. Who but a fool would make his own God, an idol that cannot help him one bit? All who worship idols will be disgraced, along with all these craftsmen, mere humans, who claim they can make a god. They may all stand together, but they will stand in terror and shame. The blacksmith, the blacksmith stands at his forge to make a sharp tool, pounding and shaping it with all his might. He works his work makes him hungry and weak. It makes him thirsty and faint. Then the wood carver, carver measures a block of wood and draws a pattern on it. He works with chisel and plane. He carves it in a human figure. He gives it human beauty and puts, puts it in a little shrine. He cuts down the cedars. He selects the cypress and the oak. He plants the pine in the forest to be nourished by the rain. Then he uses part of the wood to make a fire with which he warms himself and bakes his bread. Then, yes, it's true. He takes the rest and makes himself a god to worship. 
He makes an idol and bows down in front of it. He burns part of the tree to roast his meat and keeps himself warm. He says, ah, oh, that fire feels good. Then he takes what's left and makes, his, makes himself a god, a carved idol. He falls down in front of it, worshiping and praying to it. Rescue me, he says. You are my god. Such stupidity and ignorance. Their eyes are closed and they cannot see. Their minds are shut and they cannot think. The person who made the idol never stops to reflect. Why? This is just a block of wood. I burned half of it for heat and I used the other to bake my bread and roast my meat. And how can the rest of it be a god? Should I bow down and worship a piece of wood? The poor deluded fool, the poor deluded fool feeds on ashes. He trusts something that can't help him at all. Yet he cannot bring himself to ask, is this idol that I'm holding in my hands a lie? Again, I'm most likely not going to cut down my neighbor's tree to do that, right? Can you imagine that? I go cut down my neighbor's tree. I take a nice six-foot section and make an idol. I call him Stumpy, right? And then, and then with another four foot, I use for my fire pit. So I've got myself a fire pit. Come on over to my house. Let's sit out on my patio and let's have some s'mores and hot dogs and weenies or whatever, right? And over here in the corner, over here in the circle, I mean is Stumpy. And you guys are like, dude, what's with the piece of, what's with the wood? Ah, don't mind him. He won't eat much. (laughs) Right? I would never do that. Or would I, right? My, my idol worship, my depravity, my sin, my prone to wander is way less obvious, but yet, yet very real. So let's back up a little. Kind of the trigger, the tipping point, if you will, for the sermon, kind of how God laid this on my heart, is my story. So, I grew up in Lovell, Wyoming, um, in a Mormon home. And for my childhood, for years of my childhood, right, on, right by the front door was a plaque that looked much like this. Choose you this day whom we will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, Joshua twenty four fifteen. Right? Chances are you have that plaque. It's a great plaque. It's a great Great scripture, great memory verse. For years I walked by that thing. No clue what it meant as far as context. No clue the story, no clue the, the fourth story, the backstory, nothing. Just knew that that was on, on the wall in my house, right? Fast forward about 20 years. I'm 38 years old. I walked away from the Mormon church when I was 18. So for 20 years, lived in depravity, no compass, no, no church, no nothing. Darkened the door occasionally for a wedding and a funeral, but that was about it, okay? But yet that's in my heart. So my wife and I get in this business. And one night, let me, so God's working on my heart though, right? We get in this business, and one night we're up in Billings, Montana, January 4th, 2002. And the keynote speaker of this business meeting is like fired up, man. And he's like, you're either in this business or you're roadkill. That's basically what he was saying. He's like, you're either take this business opportunity and run with it, because if you don't, whew, I don't know how it's going to turn out for you. What I heard all those years later 
choose you this day whom you will serve. How did I hear that? He never said that from the stage. That's what I heard. So guess what? I got to choose. I was at a crossroads moment. Choose you this day whom you will serve. So I did. The very next morning, I'm out working away. I hear the song for the first time ever. I can only imagine. And I chose. I went back in the back of my truck, knelt down, gave my, gave my life to Jesus. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Okay? So I share all that to share this. So I have that plaque on my wall a lot, right? Okay? But I'd never really actually read the story. Here's what I mean. I can tell you that verse. You can probably tell me that verse. But can you tell me the verses ahead of it and, be, and after it? Probably not. Neither could I until the day I read, actually read it. And I was wrecked. Joshua 24, 14. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away the forever the idols of your, your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer to serve the gods of your ancestors that they served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Very familiar passage, right? But let's actually read it. Verse 16. Then the people replied, we would never abandon the Lord or serve our gods, serve other gods, for the Lord our God is the one who rescued us from our ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles before our very eyes as we traveled through the wilderness amongst our enemies. He preserved us. It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and the other nations living here in the land. So we too will serve the Lord for he alone is our God. Verse 19. Then Joshua will warn the people, you're not able to serve the Lord for he's holy and a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he will turn against you and destroy you even though he has been so good to you. But the people replied, no, we will serve the Lord. You are, you are a witness to our decision. We will serve the Lord. Listen to Joshua's reply. Verse 23. All right then, Joshua says, Cry, crush the idols among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Crush the idols among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And I was like, what? They still had idols? What? Can you believe how stupid? <laughs> Can you believe how stupid? So here's the visual I got. Now, historically, this isn't true because if you know the story, these people that were making the covenant this day weren't the same people that crossed the Red sea, through the Red Sea because those people all got to die off. Got to, why? Because of their unbelief. The first time God brought them to the promised land, they didn't believe. So God's like, well, see you in 40 years, right? But I'm still going to take care of you. These people show up here. Joshua says, crush your idols. And here's the visual I got in my head, right? 
So imagine this. Imagine you've been in slavery your whole life. God opens, literally opens the Red Sea, right? The visual I have is the black and white Ten Commandments um, with Charles, Charles and Heston, right? 50 foot of water over here, 50 foot of water over here, and here you are going on dry land. But you got this little backpack with you, just in case, just in case this whole God thing doesn't work out. Imagine Moses, Joshua, Caleb, one of the other leaders, even some of your family comes up to you and is like, dude, what's, what's in the backpack? And you're like, what backpack? No, 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 what, what, what's, what's, what's in the backpack? And you're like, what backpack? The one you have on your back? Oh, this thing. Uh, nothing. What are you talking about? I can't fathom walking through the Red Sea with a backpack of idols. But I've done the same thing. It only looks different. Like I actually didn't literally walk through the Red Sea, but there's been miracles in my life. And here I am with my little backpack just in case this little God thing doesn't work out. Right? We would never do that. That would be much too obvious. Can you imagine? Can you believe it? Let's consider this. Let's consider idols in your life, in my life. Actually, my wife said that I should start up, that I should start my sermon wearing this backpack. How many of you in, of you in here be like, dude, you got a little something on you? I might be like, what? What backpack? What are you talking about? No, you know, dude, you've got this, right? We all would. Most of us be like, doesn't he know? Can't he see it? Right? And I'd be like, what are you talking about? I, uh, what backpack? Oh, that backpack. Oh. How about unforgiveness? If it's getting in the way of you and God. How about bitterness? How about gossip? How about malice? How about slander? I could go on. How about status? How about title? Again, I'm not making, trying to make you feel guilty for being an American and having possessions. That is not my thing. For such a time as this, I am in Gillette, Wyoming for such a time as this, and so are you. But if any of my possessions or any of my titles or any of my status or even any of my unforgiveness or my bitterness or whatever, fill in the blank, if any of it is getting in the way of my relationship with the great I am, I have an idol. I have an idol. Are we carrying anything around, anything that's getting in the way? Let it fall away. Let it fall away. Certainly worth talking about. Certainly worth consideration. Okay, back to Josiah. Okay? So as the story continues in the, the story of King Josiah, he, said, he then sets about restoring the temple. The temple was in disrepair. Who knew? Verse 14, 
While they're bringing out the money collected at the Lord's temple, Hilkiah, the priest, found the book of the law of the Lord that was written by Moses. Hilkiah said to Shaphan, the court secretary, I found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. Where was it? Then Hilkiah gave the scroll to Shaphan. Shaphan took the scroll of the king and reported, Your officials are doing everything they were assigned to do. The money that was collected at the temple of the Lord has been turned over to the supervisors and the workmen. Shaphan also told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a scroll. So he read it to the king. When the king heard what was written in the law, he tore his clothes in despair. So I've read a couple of commentaries. Most scholars agree when he says the book of the law, that was the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. The people didn't have a copy of God's word and nobody noticed for years. In fact, some of, some of Josiah's predecessors set out to destroy the word of the Lord. They set out to destroy all the copies of the scroll. But God preserved one in the temple. So basically, they were just going through the motions. They didn't have a Bible, and nobody noticed. They didn't have God's word, and nobody noticed. Then the book of the law was found and read, and God raised the bar. So as the story continues, Josiah is like, what do I do with this? In his wisdom, he seeks out wise counsel. And here is the reply to that wise counsel. Verse 26. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the message you have just heard. You were sorry and you humbled yourself. Okay, let me back up. Josiah is one of the greatest kings ever. He was living he was purifying the land, right? He was eradicating idol worship. He was walking with the Lord. You humbled yourself and you tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance. What? You humbled yourself, you tore your clothes in despair, and you wept in repentance? What? And I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. So verse 33, Josiah removed all the detestable idols from the entire land of Israel and required everyone to worship the Lord their God. And throughout the rest of his lifetime, they did not turn away from the Lord, the God of their ancestors. So this is kind of hard to translate to modern day America, right? Chances are we have how many copies of this, right? And that's great. It's amazing. We just take it for granted, right? Maybe. How many of these do we have, right? And then my phone. I mean, how many copies do I have on my phone? What version do you want, right? So it's hard for us to understand what it would be like to not have this. But let's, let's imagine. Imagine, let's say, you weren't born here. You were born in a third world country 100 years ago. Whatever. You heard about this Jesus thing. So you, okay, I'll do that. But I don't have a Bible. I don't have anybody here to teach me. I'm just doing the best I know how with what I've been given. And then, and then you get the law, the book of the law. Then you get the scroll. Then you get the Bible. And then you actually read it. Whew. Then what do you do? Or... Let's say you've been a Christian for however long and you've never actually read it. 
but then you actually read it for what it says, like I did about Josh, back in Joshua 24. Like, wait, who put those words in there? Well, they've been in there the whole time, right? But I'm finally at a point where it's like made sense, where it wrecked me. Then what do you do? God raises the bar, so to speak. What do you do? Well, Josiah might be a really, really good example. What did he do? He was convicted. He wept. And he repented. What he didn't say was, well, you know, God, I hear what you're saying, but compared to my, have you, have you met my father? Have you met my grandparents? Nope, he didn't say that. He was undone and he wept and repented and stood up and went to work. Or he didn't say, yeah, you know, God, I, I hear what you're saying and I, 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 hear, I hear you, but compared to my neighbor, right? It's not what he said. And he would have been justified, so to speak. The commentary says of all the Reformation kings, he was the greatest of all, but yet he still was undone when he had the word of the Lord. And he wept and he tore his clothes and he repented and then he got up and went to work. What a beautiful example. What about me and you? What about me and you? Perhaps today has been a little hard. Perhaps God knows where your heart is, right? I don't. God knows. So it's really between you and him. So, all this rolling in my head, right? All this stuff going on, all this baggage, right? I'm at Elk, I'm at Elk Hunt Camp a couple weeks ago. Um, reconnected with some my Elk Hunt friends from Cheyenne, from back in the day. So I hadn't been with this group of guys for 10 years. And uh, there's eight of us there. And we're all Christians. Um, all doing the best we can to walk with Jesus. Um, all of us back in church. 10 years ago, a couple of us were kind of like not sure what to do with this whole church thing. So we're all back in church, praise God. So it's just a beautiful, 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 amazing time at Elk Camp with my Cheyenne friends. Wednesday night, we're having a campfire. And uh, my friend James starts sharing. Now I have permission to share this. We'll call him Bob. My friend Bob, running around the campfire, uh, he starts sharing his story. Well, he grew up in a Christian home. Grew up in a Christian school. Grew up helping his parents at church. But the absolute crazy abuse, neglect, and trauma emotional, spiritual, physical abuse that kid went through. So he's like 40 now. So this is a few years ago, right? But man, just, so he's telling a story and I'm just like getting angry and my heart is breaking all at the same time. It was a really interesting clash, clash of emotions in my heart going on. And he's sharing his story and I'm just like, whoa, amazing tragic but yet amazing and I was like Bob 
I said, I don't. He goes, yeah. And I said, I, I, I don't share this word often, but man, from where I sit, you're a miracle. And he's like, what does that mean? I'm like, well, phew, all things considered, everything you've been through, and this is only part of your story, I know, everything you've gone through, it's nothing short of a miracle that you even want to be a part of church. And just phew, right out of his mouth, he's like, well, Grant, I know God is real, so what else am I going to do? Boom, right? Kind of sounds like John 6. Jesus had just laid down some hard truth, some really hard truth. Most of the people left him. At this point, verse 66, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. These are hard teachings. Who can follow them? Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, where else would we go? You alone have the words of life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Do we know that? Do you know and believe? Where else would you go? Why would you worship anything else ever? But yet we do. People, there is no other God. There is one God, the great I am. He alone is worthy of our adoration and worship. Why would we go anywhere else? So again, I'm not saying there's something in your life that's between you and God that's getting in the way. Maybe. It's certainly worth considering. Certainly worth considering. Is there anything in the way? So in closing, Psalm 139. It's a great psalm. Homework, go read the whole thing. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read the very end today. But it's a beautiful, beautiful close. Psalm 139, verse 23. Here we go. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So in a moment, I'm going to pray and I'm going to dismiss you. But here's my my challenge, my charge, my request. Go home and crush your idols. Go crush your idols. They're not worth it. If you have an idol in your life, whatever it is, whatever it is, crush it. Serve the God, the Lord, the God wholeheartedly. Let's pray. God, I thank you for, for you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth. I thank you the fact that we have multiple copies of your word, but it does no good unless we pick it up and let it go through us. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for these people. God, I, do, I pray for them. Speak to our hearts, God. May we walk out of here Encouraged? Challenged, yes, but encouraged.
You tell us that you convict us because you love us and you want to restore us. And it is your will that none of us should perish, that none of us should waver, that none of us should wander. So God, show us that. Show me that. May we get this right with you, God, whatever it is. May we be willing to trust you enough to surrender fully to your will and your ways. Where else should we go? You alone have the words of life. In the awesome, powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.